0: Everyone's like, oh, she's pregnant, she's pregnant. And really, I'm just bloated trying to get pregnant. But the excitement just led to confirmation of pregnancy and I'm like, there's no baby. And um, when it doesn't work, it can be absolutely devastating. And as women, we are, there's so many women hiding in plain sight, suffering in silence. Nobody wants the world, which which is what it feels like, the world to, to think that you're defective or less than a perfect woman, or less than capable. And there's just so much shame and mystery um, and guilt that surrounds fertility issues. And that's why I wanted to include it in my book, because I'm tired of it. It needs to stop. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the PeriodSys Podcast. I'm your host, Mandy B. We are here yet again. That was just a snippet from Gabrielle Union, kind of just sharing How she feels the pressure as a woman and how many women feel pressured to procreate and have a baby. And what if it takes a little longer than others? Or what if you don't want a baby at all? Does that make you less than a woman? Well, on today's episode, I am joined by sexologist Shan Boodram, and she shares her journey of a planned pregnancy And also the pressures she felt to have a baby. And a little bit of the difficulty in doing so after 16 years of birth control. And many women fear that biological clock. Shan, at the age of 35, talks about the pressures she applied on herself to become pregnant. It's another tale of womanhood by women for women. Today's guest is Shan Boodram, a.k.a. Shan Booty. She is a sexologist, relationship expert, and host of Sexology on Quibi. Shan, thank you for joining me. What the fuck is up, Mandy? (laughs) Thank you for having me. No, of course, of course. So you have been very public with um, the process and journey that you've been on in trying to get pregnant with now your husband. Um, I think a lot of us, you know, maybe come about pregnancy unplanned. However. I would like for you to share your story about how you went about and deciding to, you know have a baby with your partner. what is what is that backstory?
1: Yeah, I think it's really important to share the my story because you know i'm thirty five right now. So I am already automatically a high risk pregnancy, and I didn't decide I didn't actually know that I wanted kids until thirty four, maybe late thirty three. Um, Oh, so there's still hope for me then? Okay, got it. No, there's hope. (laughs) We talk about you have years to go, buddy. It's the opposite. You have years, and that's the point that I want to make. Is for a very long time. I'm talking about probably from age 22 until 33. I was convinced that I did not want children. Mm -hmm. I am a very ambitious person. There's a lot that I want to accomplish in my life. I never find myself being bored. And so I think I associated for a long time having kids with having a lack of something. Like you have kids if you're bored or you have kids if you need something to do or if you're lacking purpose. And so my perspective on it was my life is so full. There's so much that I want to accomplish as an individual. I don't necessarily know if within this lifetime I have the space to also you know, add in the responsibility of another life when I'm so focused on my own. And that was the... I, I don't want to say it's the backwards thinking. That was the rationale for a very long time for me that just cemented. And I would go into relationships saying, like, I don't have an interest in having children. It was, like, widely known amongst my family that I didn't want children. Right. And, then, you know, fast forward, I met my romantic partner who started off as my fuck buddy. He transitioned to open <laughs> I love that
0: story, by the way. <laughs> I think that that is the... Not not typical, but I would say the modern day love story. We started off as fuck buddies and now he's my husband.
1: Yeah, it's so- a really <laughs> new sleeping beauty. It's exactly how I feel. Um, but yeah, it is um, essentially what was great about this relationship and why I even bring up that like timeline that things progressed into is that we just naturally evolved through stages as we felt comfortable and soft fit. We didn't come into this relationship thinking about, okay, in five years, I want to be this person. or I want to get to this is what we're doing right now, a stepping stone in that direction. Instead of that, we just thought, can we connect? Do we enjoy each other's time? Is there mutuality happening in this intimacy? Am I growing as an individual? Do I feel like I'm expressing myself in the partnership? And if yes, let's continue to see where this goes together. And it's so interesting because, you know, my my husband, Jared, in the beginning, I don't. I'm not necessarily sure what his perspective on kids was, and I say I'm not sure because I didn't really ask, and I, I wasn't. You didn't even interested. have the
0: conversation. Yeah, I didn't
1: have the con- oh, wow. conversation. I didn't care. Um, <laughs> I really didn't, and it wasn't honestly until we got married, and that was again just a natural progression of how our relationship just progressing. We continuously added new responsibilities to each other or new commitments to the relationship, and we kept succeeding for each other, where it felt logical. And I always say, like, there's two ways to do a relationship. You can choose a title and then try to live up to the title, or you can live your life and then try to find titles that accurately describe what it is that you're experiencing. Give me the latter.
0: Give me the latter.
1: Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's no wrong way to skin a cat. There's no wrong way to fall in love. You know, a lot of Christianity or Christian based relationships are based on the thought of I want to eventually have kids and get married. And so I pursue every relationship thinking, is this my long term romantic partner? Is this the parent of my future child? And so that works for a lot of people. That just isn't necessarily what worked for us.
0: And And so, yeah. So I want to ask you because I know you were on birth control. Um, And so was deciding to have a child your reason for getting off of the IUD? A hundred percent. So okay. we got married in December
1: 2018. Let's say January 2019. We were on a, a show together. this Jubilee show. And the question that the uh, interviewer asked was, well, how do you picture your future and I mm. promise you, that was like the first time that I actually thought about <laughs> the future. Is that really messed up to say? I'm no, like, it's I've not. been enjoying every moment. This is great. Like we're partnering. This is a person I want to keep building with. It makes sense to use the term marriage to describe the fact that we we own a production company together. We lived together for the past two years. We love each other. We want to keep growing. Let's use the word marriage to describe what it is we're experiencing right now versus marriage as a way for us to set an aspirational goal. So and never really thought about like, what does that mean for us in the future? So we had, I got asked that question, like, what does the future look like? And I was like, damn. And then I thought about it and I was like, I think it, I think it means kids. I think it means a kid or I don't know, an adopted kid. I don't know what that means yet, but I do know that what we share and going back to what I said before, is I always thought of having kids as lack. Like when you're missing something, you get a kid to fill in a gap versus we have so much to offer a kid. Why
0: would we not share in that really heightened, special way? And so I I mean, I got a cat. I got a kitten. When I, I was bored. I was in quarantine, and I wanted to share my love with, and I, and I got a kitten. Uh, but a kid, a, a kid, I could see how that fits.
1: <laughs> that fits as well. Yeah, you get to a place in your life where you're like, I'm financially stable. I have the room to actually like house another living being in here. I like to pet stuff. I like Netflix shows. Let me get a cat. Like it's, you know, you could do that out of two ways. Like I'm very lonely, so I need a cat or I have a lot to offer. How can I share that with others? And so my love with Jared was just like, how can we share this with others? And like, oh, a part of that sharing might mean reproducing. And so that was a decision we talked about in January. Fast forward to around September, not September, maybe like um, the summer of that year, just before my book, The Game of Desire came out. And uh, Jared has a grandparent who's getting older, who raised him. And he really wanted, you know, his grandparent to be a part of whatever child rearing looked like. I was 34 at the time. And I was starting to really think a lot more about my biological clock and like, okay, how much longer, if we do have this intention, how much longer are we waiting? So we loosely decided like, let's take out the IUD and see how it goes. So I set an appointment and the day the appointment came, I was like, I don't want to go. And
0: really, I didn't. I just Why? What, what? What? I guess what was going through your mind that you decided you wanted kids, and then when the appointment came, you kind of got cold feet.
1: Because it's was like not right now, and that's the naivety too, right? Like you think as soon as that IUD comes out, the penis goes in, the sperm shoots up, and then the baby nine months later. <laughs> like that is the correlation of events in your mind because you've spent. You know, at that point, I'd spent 16 plus years trying to find ways to avoid getting pregnant. So you think of pregnancy as this like imminent thing that's like constantly possibly happening despite what you do to block it. So when there is no barrier, you're naturally gonna get pregnant immediately. Mm. So for me, it was like my book was coming out. There was still I had to give birth to that. Um I didn't want to feel sick during that time because I was aware that the first trimester is very tough for people. So I was like, I don't think now is the time. So I just didn't go to the appointment. And then, fast forward October, I might, you know, I, might, I had finished promoting the book. I had really given my all to that. I felt really great about that experience. And then it just felt like, okay, you know, if I get pregnant now, October uh, or September is my day I my idea move. If I get pregnant now, October, I'll have conceived. And then by the time you were really becomes,
0: planning this, yeah, like, okay, the baby's going to come. As soon as I think—and it's crazy, and I'll probably talk about this on another episode, but what you're saying is I don't think many women realize that birth control has such a long-term effect on us that many women, after coming off of birth control now, whether it's the depo, IUD, um, constant taking of the pills— it's not always immediate for a lot of women to conceive right after getting off of birth control. It actually can take some time for your body to even be able to get pregnant.
1: Yeah. It takes some time and some choices, some health choices and some introspection. And also as well too, you can theoretically only get pregnant for one day out of the month. So (laughs) there's a lot that factors into like, not just your body being ready to have or host life, but also you making sure you're having sex during the right window. So life is potentially possible. There's a lot that I just didn't know. And I guess, you know, again, that's a part of our education system too. our education system is fear-based. And so you're constantly spread or, or told the the message that like, if you have sex, no matter what you do, there's a possibility of getting pregnant. And even when you're looking for birth control methods, as you Google IUD or you Google depo, um, you'll probably see stories of people who were like, I still got pregnant on this. So it just reinforces the message that pregnancy is like the grim reaper who's always knocking on your door. And if you don't pull down the shades, it's going to come right in. But for a lot of people, myself included, especially again, as I mentioned, my age in the beginning, Um, for older people who have been on birth control for a long period of time. And I had the IUD, which was the Paragard non-hormonal IUD. And so that one's actually different than the Mirena because there's no readjustment of hormones my body has to undergo. So there actually is a high potential that you can remove the IUD one day and get pregnant the next. So
0: that also added to the pressure, I think, for me. I like that because I'm actually in the process of you know, because I still at 29 do not want to have children. So I'm now looking into birth control options because I've just always been a condom dick type of girl. And um now I'm not. Um so anyway <laughs> Anyways, I do want to talk about so you have the decision why to, not Mandy? Why
1: are you not? What's what's changed?
0: Girl, this man can go four rounds in one night and it's just <laughs> like, okay, there's only so much friction of vagina can take after a while, you know what I mean? That's amazing. So <laughs> but um so you decide to take out your IUD and you realize after the first month, after the second month, damn, I'm still not pregnant. What other I guess things did you fit into your sex routine with your husband to push possibly the, the, the pregnancy envelope or to kind of try to get it to happen quicker? What did you change anything in your sex life?
1: We, and we we talked about this offline for a second of like, did we start having sex more? The opposite. We started actually having sex less because in the research of it, um, the sperm sperm load transfers over every two to three days, and so if you want to get an optimal load for when you're ovulating, if you have just had sex that morning or you just had sex the day before, it's potential that the sperm count won't be as high. So, and also, to- you
0: are teaching me something I never knew. Oh my god! I my friend right now has been trying to get pregnant, and she's like, "Girl, we fuck like three times a day." So. This is very interesting. I didn't know this.
1: You know what's interesting to actually really put as a precursor to all of this, and this is the number one advice that I would give to anybody who's trying to conceive, everything works or nothing works. And it's Mm. that... For every person that tells you their specific routine that was scientifically based and so perfectly timed is another person who just woke up one day, decided to have sex in a van, and now they have triplets. Um, for every person <laughs> who did all the right things who didn't end up working out for. So I would go and say, listen to all advice with a grain of salt. You should speak to somebody who specializes in fertility and also knows a bit about your birth control history or even just your health conditions in general. It's really important to acknowledge that this healthy bodies get pregnant, um, and you know healthy means a variety of different things. And so, a lot of the th- things you may have to do are lifestyle changes. I would say a big thing for me that definitely helped was thinking about hormonal balancing. Mm. I've always what, had what, what did that mean? I've always had pretty bad acne, like even as an adult, I've had bad acne. And so, you have to acknowledge sometimes that these symptoms are ways of your body saying that something is off within you. And so by addressing my acne inadvertently, I address, I address the hormonal, hormonal imbalance that may have been preventing me from getting pregnant for some people by addressing, you know, if you feel really lethargic and really bloated and you tend to drink a lot, um, So by addressing the root and changing your consumption around alcohol, you might feel more energized and thus your
0: body is healthier and more capable of getting pregnant. As I sip a glass of wine. Thank you very much. Girl, because I ain't trying to get pregnant. So let me keep drinking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess I want to ask you because you, you definitely shared this journey too. So again, you're a couple months into trying to conceive with your partner. How did you track and monitor your pregnancy status?
1: So I started using, um, ovulation strips and those are really inexpensive. And essentially I think the one I got was from Amazon. It was like a box of a hundred for like 15 bucks and it's tracks a hormone. I think it's the LH, the luteinizing hormone that is a present only when a woman is ovulating. Another indicator that you're ovulating, ovulating would be to use basal temperature to see if your temperature rises just a slight bit, cause it's supposed to do so during ovulation. Also, you can track your discharge when you're ovulating. Your discharge might tend to look more like egg whites uh, and less mm. watery than usual. But the strips are just a really simple, easy way. You pee on it. It'll appear two lines, just like a pregnancy test to show that the hormone is present. And when those two lines are there, you know it's time to get it popping in the bedroom. Um, so that's what,
0: what are your thoughts on ovulation trackers, like the apps? I know a lot of people use apps now. And I'm not going to lie, that's something where... I'm still indifferent about because I'm like, okay, how can an app know more about my body than my body? So what are your thoughts on ovulation tracker apps? And was that something that you used at all? I did. Yeah, that's actually, I forgot
1: about that. I used that in the very beginning. So I got pregnant six months after I started trying to conceive and probably for the first three months or maybe first four months, I just used an app. I think it was like a free one from Tampax or something um, that essentially just maps out when the average woman is going to ovulate. And those are probably better than nothing. And again, okay. as you probably know, in, a, in addition to the fact there's one day you can get pregnant, sperm can live for five days outside of the nutsack. So it's
0: so it's really a week. There's a week in really a, a month yeah. that technically that you can get pregnant. Um, so I want to get more into kind of the patience that you had. You said it took you six months. Um, Was your patience and trust for each other during this time affected, knowing that you guys, you know, one month your, your period came or you realized you were pregnant the second month, the third month, the fourth month? You said it took six months. Was there any kind of strain in your relationship while you were trying? There was a strain in my relationship with myself. Ooh, um okay. I honestly I like
1: very rarely have anything negative to say about my partner. Um the, he and especially in this time there was a line that Jared said to me in December that was, and it was such a throwaway thing to say because he just put nothing on it. He's like, I don't, who cares? Maybe we'll adopt. Maybe you'll do IVF or maybe we'll do surrogacy. He's like, we're in a financial position where we can make those decisions. We can benefit from a time where technologically those options are available for us. And the magic is not in how you make a baby. It's in how you raise a baby. Like that sentence alone was such a free year for me. Like So I didn't put the pressure like, are you going to look at me less magical if I can't conceive the way that your mom did or that your grandma did? Um, Is that going to change? And I was actually doing a course at the time because I'm in school and it's on the psychology of love. And it says one of the number one reasons couples break up is because of infertility. So I'm like getting this mounting stress. And I'm also older than my partner. He's 28 years old. So I'm like, he's married an old woman. She cannot conceive. She is barren. She is dried up. She's not good. Um, and also myself, I started to feel these, this sense of I've made a lot of decisions. Like I don't drink, for example, um, and I don't eat meat. So i made a lot of health decisions in my life that aren't necessarily for the ability to be able to conceive at a later age, but these should be things that should benefit me at conceiving at a later age. And so I'm like, you worked out, you've done all these things and like, none of it matters. You know, your, your eggs are still not working. You still have tetrogens and all that birth control. You start really like going back and thinking about how cavalier you are even choosing the brands of birth control. Like you just do whatever the doctor tells you. And so you start really looking back on yourself and
0: being like, also, why did you wait so long? You know, if so, you so so how how did you personally like? T- so you're telling me there was actually a strain and stress with your with a relationship with yourself and your own body, but stress also has a negative impact on our bodies as women. Period. So how did you deal with that stress and pressure that you were putting on yourself?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think. Um... I can't tell you that like, I just let it go one day. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't. And I, the month that I got pregnant was the month that I tried the hardest that I actually was the most analytical the most particular and so the advice that you'll often hear and that worked for many people is like let it go girl like stop stressing stop putting the pressure on just let it all go have fun and you know to the point that you made majority of people get pregnant without planning so you don't have to put all this pressure and emphasis on it and while that's a beautiful intention in a wonderful way i'm sure to conceive that wasn't my story and I, i can't tell you that i don't remember taking the pressure off myself
0: um and I, I, it, it's funny that you say that because my next question was actually going to be you announced to your social media following. And, and of course, as as someone who has a very large social media following, I could see that all, almost word, adding pressure. But you said what? I wouldn't what use I the V word. I got
1: to say a very large social media following. Girl, but, yeah.
0: you, you <laughs> do, OK, that's cute. You want to be humble right now. We've been married for three years now. Okay. And so ever since we got married, as in the day of our wedding,
1: everybody keeps pressuring us to start a family. Uh, And it's gotten to the point where even our parents, when they go out, they're being asked. People have the audacity to ask them, do they have grandkids and actually pick on them for not having them
0: you already have the pressure on yourself that you're putting on yourself possibly your friends family and now everyone else kind of almost rooting for you um in a sense did you did you feel the pressure being someone who's a public figure like okay i'm sharing this journey what if i just can never conceive like what, what were those thoughts going through your mind and, and what kind of pressure did you feel from just the public yeah
1: and many i mean this is you know preaching to the choir over here, but this is what we do for a living. And so that's kind of the realization I had to come to. I kept it to myself for a while. We actually filmed a video for YouTube and it took me a month after I filmed it to get the courage to put it out because I knew... I knew that I put out that I had chlamydia before, right? So there's just definitely things that I've talked about and parts of my history that nobody would have known if I didn't choose to reveal that. I always think it's so fascinating too, that whenever people build cases against me as to why I'm a dirtbag human, they're always using things that I have omitted to you. You've never discovered this from somebody else. And so I think that I'm just... I've benefited so much, even though there's been some backlash from sharing, the amount of community, um, sisterhood, the femme power, the support, the learning that I get, the um, affirmation from people that they have been dying to have somebody else they can, t- they, can t- they can connect to in this way because this is a very difficult thing that they've been dealing with. So I just know that there's so much benefit. Whenever something is really hard and personal for you, there's so much power in being vocal with that. And that's even as after I got pregnant, um, the advice I would give to people is talk about it.
0: Even though I'm actually going to use everything that you just said, I'm going to re-say it just in my voice because that <laughs> that is kind of how I feel. Even with with my other um, podcast, horrible decisions, um, and we talked about it before hopping on here. I've told you about my abortions. I've told you about you know the different partners I've had. I've told you about my MMF threesome things that most women find shame in. I've pretty much given you what I've done as a human being. And, and I think that what you've done is so beautiful with this because a lot of a, a lot of these conversations that I have on this podcast specifically is kind of conversations that we hold shame or that we keep personal or that we don't even have amongst, our, you know, the conversation with our friends. Yes. And so I like that as women and and even what I want to push with this platform is kind of just normalizing these these conversations that we're going to we're gonna have. We all have the same anatomy and we're going to go through a lot of the same things. And I think it's important for us to find, find outlets or find other people with shared stories to kind of give us the confidence that we need to to keep pushing. I'm sure someone who listens to this who is trying to get pregnant right now can can relate and find some sort of happiness to know that they're there is rainbow at the end of the tunnel or what is it? Rainbow. Y'all know know I don't be knowing all these things. (laughs) (laughs) So you get pregnant six months later. Um, You also talked about kind of how there is, and I'm not sure if it's a myth. I know that a lot of things can go wrong within the first trimester. And you mentioned, you know, not knowing when you should announce your pregnancy. When did you decide that? Okay. I'm going to make the announcement that there is a bun in this oven.
1: Yeah. So we, uh, um, as an elderly mother, uh, you have (laughs) to take an an NIPT test. And that essentially is a a screening test for chromosomal abnormalities within the baby. And so uh, as you get older, the chance of having a child with Down syndrome, for example, or other chromosomal issues that would even prevent you from having a baby at all and would more than likely cause stillbirth. Like those increase in likelihood. And so it's mandatory I don't know if mandatory is the right word, but it's highly recommended that women 35 and older take this test. And so, and I
0: just, I just want to say this is normally done. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, this is normally done at about the 17 week mark. My sister is actually, um, epileptic. And so because of the medication she takes for her epilepsy, she just had to have this test as well. Yes. Um,
1: so I can't so yeah, I- remember if mine was, cause I'm only, I'm 19 weeks today. Um, so I think uh, I think I got my test around 15 weeks. If 15 I weeks? Okay. I believe because I I announced on Mother's Day, so I don't, I don't know the exact math of that. So I think I was 15 weeks on Mother's Day, but literally I got my results on Friday, and then Sunday Mother's Day came. Jared got me this like really beautiful like Mother's Day display, Aww. and he like framed the picture of the, the like the latest ultrasound that we had, and I was just like, it, today feels right, you know. There's less chance majority of people who do have miscarriage will have within the first trimester. Not to say that you still don't have a chance, but the chance of miscarriage after the first trimester stays consistently around the two to 3% until the baby is born. So the chances of miscarriage drop drastically. And I know that we were having a baby who didn't have any chromosomal abnormalities. And so it just kind of became like, yeah, and I, I miss talking to my audience. I miss sharing this with them. And I had talked about trying to conceive with them and it felt like something that they deserve to be a part of that journey. And also I just, I missed the support system. So
0: yeah. And felt right. And I guess now I just want to, before we leave off with some advice to whoever's listening that may be trying to conceive, um, we talked about kind of how your body is adjusting now that you have um, gotten pregnant. And of course, this is your first baby. Can you share maybe the, the the differences in how your body is reacting now that you have a whole life forming inside of you? I hate it.
1: I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I love it. It's wonderful. And it's, you know, short term pain for long term gain. But it is definitely a constant thought of me for me, even because I love my sister. I'm obsessed with my sister. She is such a massive role model in my life. And so siblings really matter. But I'm also like, I don't think I can do this shit again. Um, it is so much worse than anything I've read. It is so much worse than anything that I thought that it would actually be. And everyone's like second trimester, everything gets better. No, it still feels so shitty. My stomach hurts all the time. I'm so gassy. Like my discharge is crazy. So I, yeah, I'm not, uh, it doesn't, pregnancy does not agree with my body, but that's okay.
0: Like I said. It's so funny because we were texting and I was like, well, I heard the first one is the worst one and the second one's easier. And you were like, actually, I heard the opposite. So it's funny because it's so subjective. Like, just to how your body's going to rat, react. Yeah, I period. know
1: everybody that I know was like, yeah, my first one wasn't that bad, but my second one, I had gestational diabetes or my second one, oh, I had geez. like extreme nausea where I couldn't get out of bed. And like, it's just like, I don't, it's not easy. And I, you're sharing this podcast in July. Um, and so I think I'll talk about it by then, but I'm having a girl. And so- Oh, me,
0: congratulations. It's so <laughs> funny because- um. Uh, So my sister's currently pregnant, and we were supposed to do a whole gender reveal. My mom was supposed to send the ultrasound over to my sister in the army in Germany. And my mom, being my mom, just started using the pronoun he. He, 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 he. And my sister's like, okay, guess we don't need to do a gender reveal because... (laughs) So, did you have planned at all to do a, a gender reveal at all, or were you just like, "I want to know"? I, I know that's kind of more of a trendy thing. I don't think it was something that I remember, maybe even ten or fifteen years being a thing. But I know it's more so popular now. W- were there any thoughts of of you having a gender reveal at all? I don't think so. I'm not. I'm not. I'm
1: not that kind of person. Um, again, like I'm not. If I'm not good at thinking about the future, I'm not good at planning shit. I don't plan birthday parties. I don't plan Christmas. I don't plan Thanksgiving. And so I don't plan like event stuff. I did do. Uh, like revealed to Jared. So I did know like a day before him. And then I made sure that I told him in a special way, particularly because I really wanted a boy and he really wanted a girl. So I knew that he would be happy about it. But my first reaction when I found out that it would be a girl was like, I just feel so guilty knowing how much sacrifice and how much pain, how much extra precaution has to come with the life of a young woman or life of a woman eventually. So- I think a
0: lot. of um, I mean, but even both of you, if I, if I'm not mis- mistaken, are also biracial. So there's, I mean, there's a lot of pressures as well. Even with a son right now, a son of color specifically. Um, so that's something that you know also would have been tough. But girl, we we know how hard it is to be a woman as well. Yes, so. which I,
1: I agree with that, and I'm not going to like get into the semantics of it. But right, right, right. We- Instances like it's fifty percent of women will experience some form of sexual assault or sexual trauma in their life. I don't know any statistic that men have where they're fifty percent likely to experience something that's going to be life altering and very damaging. on top of that, too, having your period once a month is difficult and there's so much additional health risks that come with that. Getting pregnant is trash and it's wonderful and it's magical, but being pregnant is trash. So there's just, I mean, not to it's not a tit for tat, but I obviously have lived the experience of a woman and of so a woman, yeah. in my mind, it's easier to be a man and also orgasms come much simpler. Um, so I
0: was about to say like <laughs> we, we are here trying to come and yeah. men just come like it ain't nothing. Um, I guess before we get out of here, Shan um, you dropped just so much as far as advice, but if there was one tidbit of advice, again, a lot of women, I think, just happen to miss a period and are like, fuck, I'm pregnant. But for the women who are trying, um, what is one really solid bit of advice that you think you can give to, to them for, for those of, uh, of them who want to conceive? Think about already
1: being pregnant. Start treating your body like you're already pregnant. So if you know you're trying to get pregnant, what would you change once you were pregnant? You'd probably stop eating certain foods. You'd stop drinking certain things. You would try to exercise for 30 minutes a day as per the recommendation. You would be really mindful of your mental health as well too. And I wrote a paper recently that I shared on my Instagram just about how uh, escalated anxiety and depression during pregnancy can lead to preterm birth. So it's really important to during term to ensure that your mental health is on point. And so if you started to treat your body the way that you would treat it while you were pregnant, while trying to conceive, that in itself is such a wonderful thing that you can do and such a great preparation for what motherhood is going to have in store for you.
0: I absolutely love that tidbit of advice from Shan. Again, Shan, thank you so much for joining me on Period sis If you are interested in learning more about her journey and watching it live, actually, you can go ahead and follow her at Shan Booty on Instagram. And I will go ahead and also drop her YouTube and socials in the description of this episode. Before we get out of here, as always, I want to leave you guys with a few stats. Out of every hundred couples in the United States, about 12 to 13 of them have trouble becoming pregnant. So, guys, just know you are not alone. And in all of these stories that are shared on this podcast, I want to let you know you are not alone. Also, something very um, interesting, and I'm going to leave you guys off with a clip about this as, as well from The View. About one-third of infertility cases are caused by fertility problems in women. A lot of us like to blame ourselves. However, another one-third of fertility problems are due to fertility problems with men. The other cases are caused by a mixture of male and female problems or by problems that cannot be determined. So, ladies, if you are one that is trying to get pregnant – Don't be so hard on yourself. I guess that's going to be the advice I'm going to leave off with. And again, I'm going to share a clip from The View just to let you guys know that this is not only a you problem. It is not a woman problem. There are many issues. So don't feel deterred if you just got off birth control. If you're in your mid-30s and you feel like your biological clock is ticking, there is always hope. Keep trying. And thank you again for tuning in to another episode of period sis this your girl mandy b and i am signing out Okay. okay now what are some of the reasons people are having issues getting pregnant that they may not be aware of a very common reason is that women actually aren't ovulates. Um, there also can be sperm issues, and so the guy can be part of the problem yeah. 40% of the time. 40? 40 Yes, 40. Yes. And so the guy needs to get his sperm checked for mm-hmm. the number of sperm, how they're moving, the shape, mm-hmm. to make sure that's okay. Shooting blades, uh, huh?